Welcome into episode 54 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I'm happy to be joined once again by Travis Graff of Cats Illustrated. First off, Travis, what's, what's going on with you? How are you? Doing good. Got, got a lot on my plate right now, stuff going on in my personal life. Um, but yeah, we got some good stuff and some really bad stuff to talk about today, so it should be a pretty fun show. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, uh, our, our normal co-host, David, uh, he's starting back up with school. Uh, he's in the middle of just, you know, just absolutely busy. The dude has so much on his plate right now. Uh, so, so he wasn't able to hop on this episode. So instead we had, uh, he's actually been on our show twice now, Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. He went up to go see Sky Clark with us uh, yesterday. So uh, we wanted to have him on to kind of talk about what we saw along with all the other fun and not so fun stuff going on with Kentucky basketball and in, in, in the recruiting world. So Sean, what's going on with you? Uh, not a whole lot, guys. feels good to see you again. So twice in 24 hours after a long layoff, Travis, I hadn't seen you all summer. Yeah, I know. It, it was nice seeing y'all yesterday. It was a, uh, it reminded me of the good old days when we could actually do stuff around the Kentucky program. So. Yeah, we're, we are in dire need of those days to go to these basketball events again. And I, I'm just, it, I, I'm in need of it pretty bad right now. Um, so yes, yesterday was a good little, uh, it was a refreshing experience to go see some, some good basketball. And we'll talk about that in, here in a minute, but uh, we got to talk about the bad news first. Um, and it's really, really significant uh, for the future of you know, the Kentucky basketball program recruiting. Um, I mean, it, 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 it's a significant loss without there's there's no simple way easy easy way to put it this this sucks um and that's Paolo Bancaro out of the blue randomly commits to Duke there was no I mean Sean we while we were talking beforehand there were picks for him to go to Tennessee as early as last week uh, I mean this this came out of nowhere nobody was expecting this commitment to happen especially not just where it where he ended up but when um this this just absolutely came out of the blue nobody thought this was in the works um but without a doubt this is this is one of the biggest losses in the Calipari recruiting era personally um because I, I you've heard me on the show several times I think Paolo Bancaro I've been talking to guys at, at Kentucky they they say that he would have started on last year's team with Tyrese Maxey, Emmanuel Quickly, all those guys. He would have started over EJ Montgomery this past year. That's how good he was. Two years away from when he's supposed to. Uh, there was a lot of talk about him reclassifying up to 2020. So he would have, he could have played for this team, for this upcoming team. But we're not going to see him till the 2021-2022 season. Um, and uh, just knowing what kind of instant impact guy he is at the college level uh that makes this loss really really hurt not even considering where he's going and that in itself just makes it 10 times worse so Travis uh we've been covering this recruitment extensively since we saw you know I saw him at Peach Jam last year uh, I went on this show and I was like dude I'm, I promise you this is a guy Kentucky has to do whatever it takes to get uh that didn't come to fruition but Travis what are your instant thoughts on it and how do we how did we even get to this point it's, a, it's definitely a big loss, and uh, you can tell by, like, the message boards, like, people are upset, and, I mean, he's that good. Like, people should be upset because I think UK kind of dropped the ball in this recruitment because for the long – I'll kind of break it down for you all. For the longest time, UK felt that they had him – I'm talking about, like, virtually in the bag after last year's Big Blue Madness visit whenever Cade was in town as well. They thought that they had both those guys in the bag. 
and they wanted him bad to reclass to play this year with like BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, and they thought that they had that on lock. And then when once that didn't come to fruition, uh, Kentucky's confidence still seemed to be there. Like they still thought thought that they were in a great spot. Still thought they were at or near right at the top of his recruitment. And but after he didn't reclassify. You could tell, like, when you would talk to people around the program, the confidence just wasn't there as it once was. Like, they still felt that they were right there and, like, thought that they would ultimately get them. I mean, if you're a recruiter, you're confident. But, yeah, it's you could tell in the tone of their voice. It was just, like, as time went on, it kept on waning and waning. And that's why I personally never put in a future cast for my Like, when we would project classes on here, I would, I would put him in our classes just because, like, Kentucky felt – confident about him and just for the sake of projecting and but I would never like I don't like if I heard that he's going to Kentucky his camp kept everything that's that's one thing his camp I talked to his dad for the last time like a month ago I talked I talked to his camp a couple times and neither time did they like even leak anything that was going on like recruiting wise they would say like good things about each program but they would never tip their hand anywhere um seems like Paulo never really did recruiting interviews with with people for the most part either and it's uh i mean yeah it sucks for it sucks for kentucky because they gotta go back square one but it's like we talked about before when we were going back to would you rather have jane hardy or paulo bancaro um like i think like i said on that episode i think lance ware and isaiah jackson while neither one of them will be as good as paulo uh will be in but neither one of those guys will be as good as uh paulo but I think those two collectively could lessen the sting if they return for a sophomore year. But yeah, the the camp like nobody <laughs> like Duke out left field. Like I told people on our side, I was like, I had no clue. That's why you didn't see any updates on Cats Australia about. Oh yeah, this was Paulo Bancaro because I would talk. I reach out to his camp, nothing. I would talk to UK. It'd be it'd be the same repetitive thing for him because yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they were just trying to keep that narrative out there or what. But the camp, nothing. Nothing came out of that camp. And they did a fantastic job. Nobody thought it was Duke. Corey Evans mentioned Duke kind of somewhat in passing that he said he kept on coming back, coming back to Duke for Paulo because they made him a priority. But it's like nobody really stuck their neck out there. It's like Duke, like people were saying Tennessee, Gonzaga. I'd heard those two schools. I'd heard Duke. But Duke was never – like whenever I would talk to people, Duke was honestly never in the forefront. And, I mean, that just goes back to the camp being fantastic at keeping everything under wraps. Sean, I think you you hit I think you hit it uh, before before the show. You said that this feeling uh, feels very similar to that of Zion Williamson when he committed to Duke that night. The, just the the shock value, the understanding how good the player is, and knowing that it went to the absolute worst possible de- destination. Um, go into that a little bit. Go into that a little bit. Your your thoughts on why you feel like this this is comparable to the Zion Williamson situation. Because if you could feel like Kentucky had all their eggs in one basket here with this one, and then it, it just felt similar to me because going into Zion's thing, it, there was no buzz really for Duke. I mean, they were there, they were present, but then out of nowhere, there it is. You know, we know that Cal was not happy about that. And now today, you get this on a random Thursday in August in the middle of a global pandemic where there is no in person recruiting, and then you get hit with this. Your elite big man prospect, like Travis said, that you tried to get to 2020, and that's why you pursue that because the sooner you could get this guy on campus, it was a done deal. And now 
where does Kentucky go from here? I don't know. Like last week, there were crystal ball predictions for Tennessee after Kennedy Chandler committed to Tennessee. So you, I think I started entertaining the idea that he was going to be a Vol, not to yeah. Duke. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that makes it feel the same is because you were starting to, in those days, with Zion, Clemson, South Carolina had a little bit of buzz, but in the you didn't even think of Duke. So yeah. I guess, you know, Duke's always a player, but in this one, I still didn't see that coming. That's where, yeah. like, we got – you got people on House of Blue coming at, like, me and David right now. So, like, they're just mad at the information. But at the same time, like, people need to realize, like, certain recruitments like this, it's the same thing with Zion, like you just said. Sir, I'll, I'll take I'll take the blame for it though. I, I I went with what I'd heard from UK side. They were in a, that they were in a good spot. So I'm gonna I'll take the blame for that. But at the same time, it is like the Zion thing. Like no insiders picked Duke for Zion. Nobody in the country was picking Duke for Paulo. It's the same thing. And for it to be across the board, like that nobody got this right. That says that's a testament to how tight his circle is. I keep coming back to that. That. Like, you can't get a peep out of that circle. Well, you couldn't uh, during the recruitment. I'm sure now they'll talk about stuff, but it's like you can you can keep anything, or you can uh, get anything from those guys. So, I mean, once again, hats off to them. But it's like people that are coming to me about this stuff. Like, I'm I'm not gonna take it personal, but it's like you need to understand. Like, whenever I say like when on the board, like, hey, I'm not. Like, if I was talking to Paulo, you know, the first thing I would do is run the board and be like, hey, Paulo said this, his camp, I'm hearing this from his camp. Whenever I don't run to the board and say anything, it means I don't hear anything from his camp. And so, I mean, like like I said, it's all, U- all UK side on some types of recruitments. And you get one once a year, once every couple of years, and that are just like really tight to the uh, tight circle. Kate Cunningham last year, tight circle. You're hearing everything from Kentucky side. And yeah, it's, uh, it's brutal because both those guys were on the same Big Blue Madness visit, and there's so much buzz around those guys from within the program that they were going to be potential um, pieces to last year's class. So, Well, I mean, there, there were stories after Big Blue Madness that Paolo was out on campus walking through, talking to students, telling them that he was not only committing to Kentucky, but that he was coming for 2021, saying, I'm coming next year had everybody on campus that, that he talked to thinking that he was, he was coming, told the same thing to the Kentucky coaching staff. That's why there was so much optimism coming off that visit. The reason why the Corey Evans of the world and some of the other national guys that would talk about, you know, in their, you know, weekly recruiting updates or whatever on their respective uh, out the um, websites, they kept going back to that visit. They were saying, they were saying, you, you guys just need to understand how awesome that visit was for Kentucky. It was easily the best, you know, the best of the five that he had gone on. Um, but the, uh, Travis, I think you said it perfectly when that 2020 reclassification didn't happen. It was one of those things that I think just internally, it was one of those, all right, uh, this is going to be a long process. You know, if, if he had committed at this point, you know, right after Big Blue Madness or, you know, in the months afterward, I think nobody would have been surprised at all with a Kentucky commitment. But because this thing dragged on the way it was, it did and allowed the other schools to kind of pick back up momentum with no no future visits, relying on virtual visits and Zoom calls and all that stuff. I mean, it, it allowed for a situation like this. And Travis, to add more uh, insight onto this, we're in this, this group message together and there's one guy that you can vouch for him. The dude has his – 
has his sources. He's really, really good at, at what he does. Whenever he says stuff, you can take to the bank. The dude's really good at it. This quote that he has insight, his insight under the recruitment, Duke said he told him that he's going to play point forward. Cal wasn't making any promises, and they didn't like that. Uh, then he added on to it, Kay has promised the farm and told Paolo that Cal will stick you in the stick you on the block. You won't develop there. Well, see, that's the thing, though. It's like, I mean, some of that might be sour grapes from somebody in, on UK side. and But, I mean, some of it's true, though. Um, Cal, uh, Kay, I mean, granted, he lies about a lot of stuff. He told uh, Vernon Carey that he'd be shooting a lot of threes and handling the ball. He brought the ball up like six times, I think, this year. Six or 12 times. Uh, ball up. And it's, uh, I mean – Kay gives them a lot more freedom, though, in their offense than Cal Perry does. I'll say that. It's a – Cal Perry, I mean, you've heard my gripes on here about the offense, the the horn sets, the the circle offense. I just – I think for him, for the offense to be more appealing, it's like – I've talked about Kentucky's pace. It's like you kids want to get up and down. It's – um, I mean, so some of that – some of that's true, though. I, I wouldn't blame a kid for wanting to go to Duke over um, – over I, I, Kentucky in that aspect, which – yeah. Well, I'm thinking about real quick, um, looking at the national experts from 24-7, the last – this tells you how quiet this recruitment is. They had three guys still predict, predicting him to Washington because they hadn't heard anything new since um, the last one put one in in September of 2019. Jerry Meyer put one in uh, this week for Tennessee. Uh, Chris Fisher put one in May 20th for Kentucky. And then over at Rivals, the only people that put in future casts were national analyst Corey Evans. He changed his pick from Washington to Kentucky last August and then Dan McDonald last September. Those are the only two picks. And normally for a kid, something leaks and there's like a, just a ton of future cast and uh, crystal ball picks because it echo chambers, it's a people telling everybody it makes its rounds or uh, people, somebody hears something and they'll just cheat off of his pick. But there wasn't anything really of substance between a couple sprinkled here and there that were honestly just guesses because everybody's guess was as good as anybody's in this recruitment, honestly. But uh, anybody that was going off anything of substance was 2019. Mm-hmm. And, guys, and two, you got to throw this out there. It just seems like since Scalabis year, that year with uh, Tower Ulysses, what, 2015, 2016, I mean, Kentucky just hasn't been the same with big men. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bam Adebayo committed before that season or right on the early parts of that season. It just – it makes you wonder when you look at this thing, that was one of the biggest questions around Scal's time at Kentucky was his development and the way that Cal used him. You have to know that coaches are recruiting negatively against that. Yeah, I think you I – think, I think that's a great point. That has has been the – I mean, look at Bam Adebayo for that for, – for look at what he's doing in the NBA and how he's turned into this versatile – just doing things that we never even dreamed of in his time at Kentucky. Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins was shooting threes at a, you know, very at, – at his peak, he was, you know, regularly shooting threes without even hes- – you know, with, with no hesitation. It definitely – like, I get it. I, I understand Calipari's point that it's – it makes – you know, 10 times more sense to develop their, you know, the, the Carl Anthony Towns, he was floating on the perimeter, you know, always just tried to shoot threes at the high school level. He said, no, you do need to get on the block. You need to polish your, you know, inside game so you can be the best at that on top of your perimeter skills. 
in that case, that's when it makes sense. And that's why it did work so well for Carl Towns because he has been able to have that inside out game and, and, you know, dominate on, you know, on all three levels. That's what's made cat cat in the NBA. And that's what Anthony Davis, you know, same thing. Um, But there are kids that, you know, like scout, the scouts of the world, he is a face up big man through and through trying to put him on the block and say, just, you know, it's shoving a square peg in a round hole. Like you, it made no sense at the time still makes no sense. And I think that has been a long-term issue, you know, with on the recruiting trail. And I think, I think Calipari has had multiple guys, you know, all the high profile guys are negatively recruiting against him because of that. I mean, I think at some point Calipari has to look at himself in the mirror and say, I, I still don't agree with making promises, false promises, doing the – I think Coach K with the Vernon Carey thing saying, oh, yeah, you're going to be a positionless guy, running point guard for us, bring the ball to the floor. I think all that stuff's garbage and, and you know, setting up false hope for these kids. I don't, I don't want him to follow through on the Coach K mindset. But I do want him to start – the same thing that what he's doing with, with Terrence Clark kind of groomed him as a, hey, I think, I think there's a chance we could run you a point guard. That's one, that's one of the key reasons why Terrence Clark ended up coming to Kentucky because he saw the opportunity of him playing one through three in this offense. It wasn't a false promise, but it was still something like, oh, yeah, well, I think that's something we could at least uh, you know, explore, and if it works out, then 100%, let's do it. I, I don't want Calipari to start making false promises and going away from his true fo- recruiting philosophy but the dude has to open up a little bit in terms of what he's letting his, these, these kids do, because I, I genuinely think that it's, it's, it, it's hurting with guys like this. I know there's some outliers like PJ Washington and Kevin Knox that, that they Calipari had no choice, but to put them on the perimeter and let them, you know, explore a little bit with, with their, you know, offenses and, and, you know, try try new things out. But overall he's not letting them be what they want to be or what they want to hear. and, yeah. As we're seeing with cases like this, it's 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 hurting long term with elite guys like Paolo. And, and sometimes you just need to get your guys to campus, you know, get yeah. them to campus and then figure it out. Yeah. So, like, you know, don't I, I don't know, but you know, we mentioned how it seems so similar to to Duke's recruitment with Zion and how that result ended. Kentucky plays Duke, like yeah. these two teams will play at Madison Square Garden in the Champions Classic unless they decide to move those dates around if something happens with college basketball this year. So then it, that's, I think that's why it feels so eerie similar. You know, you lose some, some guys there and then you have to meet them early in the season. Uh, where does Kentucky go from here? Yeah. We'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, on that note about Zion, who did coach K, you know, hype Zion up to be and say, we're going to run you like this. He said he was going to be LeBron James in that offense. Yeah. Said that you're, we're going to let you be LeBron. And I mean, to his credit, we did see Zion bring the ball at the floor and kind of have that three through five, uh, you know, uh, ability. I mean, I mean, it, I, it was obviously a stretch, but there was at least some sense of following through on, you know, letting Zion be Zion and become the, you know, the biggest name in college basketball since Anthony Davis. So. Yeah, it's – I mean, it is a huge, huge punch to the gut for multiple – I mean, just in terms of how good he is and what he would have brought to the table at Kentucky, but where he's going and knowing that this is going to be – you know, he's an instant college college star, without a doubt. He is a 20-10 20, 20 type guy at the college level from day one. I genuinely think he is that good. And, uh, um, Cal, I mean, Calipari right now 
is scrambling. He has to find – I mean, he you're not going to find a guy as good as Paolo, but you got to come up with some t- sort of contingency plan, backup backup plan to, to you know, make the most of this situation. And, and Travis, that's where we're going from here on this show. What is next for Kentucky? What if – you, if you were Calipari right now, what would be your next move? And uh, what do you think he ends up doing? I think that he's going to go after a reclass of some sort. I think there's a couple guys that they're keeping – under wraps of like who they're actually looking at right now. But I think we talked about on her before he's the, the Kentucky people close to the Kentucky program think that they've been saying this for a month or two, three, four now that uh, they're going to go heavy after the transfer and grad transfer market next year. Um, they think there's going to be a lot of value in that, but they're still going to go after the top guys in high school, but they're fine to fill out the roster with guys like that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they've already made some rounds, like talking to some people or some people reaching out to Kentucky, like, hey, like I could come in next year if this rule passes. Um, but just like they, just like Adam Kunkel reached out, just players like that. Um, Olivier Saar was in, in the works for a while. That's something, that's another thing that Kentucky kept really well under wraps. Nobody saw Olivier Saar coming up. Um, all, the ta- all the talk was Matt Harms, and they were really confident on Matt Harms for a little while. And then as soon as the Matt Harm stuff was done, it was like within a few weeks, yeah. Olivier Sar was in the fold. So that stuff can move quick. And I feel like – I feel confident that Cal could uh, pull some strings with players in that regard. Yeah. And you, I don't, and you I, mentioned – go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't think it's time for – you know what you know the sky isn't falling it's not time to you know scramble and go oh no yeah i mean yes this was a massive massive loss one that it's going to be very difficult to i mean you're not going to find another guy at the high school level uh, that's going to match Paolo's day one productivity you're just not going to he's he is an instant i mean i genuinely think it's going to be like adding pj washington level production from day one sophomore pj washington from day one in his time at, at Duke. And I, I, as much as that sucks, knowing how valuable PJ was to this, to this team and just, you know, knowing that you are going to get 18 to 24 points and 10 plus rebounds from him a night, knowing that you, you have that level of, of confidence in a guy. I mean, that, I mean, it's, that's just so, so valuable to, you know, any, any team having a guy that you know what they're going to produce every single time they step on the floor uh, that, I mean, that's just so, so valuable. And that's exactly what Duke got in this, in this recruitment. So, Travis, you brought, you brought up the great point. It's going to be the tra- transfer market is where you're going to do it. Um, guys like, you know, Luca Garza, the soup, the stars at the college level that aren't NBA quality yet. You know, they're not, you know, that fringe first, second round guy, you know, just very fundamental skilled guys that aren't going to, you know, you know, r- jump on the, on any draft boards as top 10, top 15 type guys, but are still going to be stars at the college level, exactly like Luca Garza. You're going to be able to get those guys moving forward next year. So you're go- You're going to be able to find production, but it's just, it- it's, it's a crapshoot at that point. I mean, you're going to have calls. You're going to have people, everybody in every big man in the country that's talented enough to be at Kentucky. Um, that's at a different school is going to be calling Cal- coach Cal when, if, and when this one year transfer rule passes, but it's not a, it's not a guarantee at this point. I mean, it's, you knew exactly what Paolo was. You had already established that relationship for years now. It, it, that was the perfect situation for, for Kentucky. And it, 
slipped through the cracks. I mean, this was, this was a head to head recruiting battle that John Calipari and, and the coaching staff lost. And I mean, it happens, but it's, it's something that they, they're just going to have to address and they're going to have to address it very, very quickly. Yeah. And Travis mentioned uh, Lance Ware and Isaiah Jackson. Uh, it, it's vital that both of those guys return next year and move into key roles as sophomore. I, I think that's very important to take away from this coming season. You've got to get some of those guys ready as sophomores and you can't have somebody transfer out like a Johnny Juzang did this past year. You need all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, it they have their work cut out for them. Let's just say that they, they 100% do. Um, Travis, I, I want to ask you, do you think that Kenny Payne's departure was a significant played a significant role in this decision? Or do you think this was just Kentucky losing momentum slash people not knowing what the truth was with who was the leader and, you know, with them just keeping things under wraps or, you know, what, what kind of impact do you think Kenny Payne's departure had on this recruitment? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was a Kenny Payne leaves Kentucky, Paulo goes out elsewhere type of deal. I think that, like I said earlier, I think confidence was waning from Kentucky. Like, I say that like they they still thought that they were going to get him, but it wasn't like the, oh yeah he's in, he's in the bag. Like oh yeah he's coming in October. <laughs> yeah, like it was last fall. It was like the, oh yeah like we feel we feel good. We think we think we got him. It was just that kind of ordeal. But, yeah, I don't think it was a Kenny Payne deal. I think this was a uh, happening over time sort of thing. I think that I mean, may that have been the straw that broke the Campbell's back and pushed it over the edge, possibly, but I don't think that's the case. I think that this is just, like I said, they played it really close to the vest. Nobody knew, and Kentucky missed out. Yeah. Yeah, Sean, do you do you have any uh, any thoughts on that? Do you do you what do you think the loss of Kenny Payne had to do with this recruitment, if if any at all? I'm with Travis. I don't think. I mean, maybe the timing would show otherwise, but it's just been some awful timing for Kentucky basketball for the last seven to ten days. It's just been bad news after bad news, and it it feels like a program right now that needs some good news, and yeah. hopefully, hopefully that's coming soon. What a segue you you have because there I mean, is. I want to ask a question real quick. Okay, go for it. Sorry for messing up your segue, but My segue is uh, still in, in place. Well, it, it still works. We know about Ter- Terrence Clark, BJ Boston. So it's like Cal Perry's not lost his re- touch all the way. It's he doesn't get to handpick the guys he wants to. But I want to ask, where's the disconnect? It seems like Kentucky has a problem closing with guys now because. They, uh, a couple of the coaching uh, of the coaches on the staff get them in a phenomenal position early, and then hand it over to the closers. But somewhere in between that handoff or the closing period, it's like something disconnects. Because, like I said, like Paulo, they thought was just like in the bag, like in the bag last year. Like everybody on the staff thought so. Uh, like talking to people a couple times that like not the usual suspects. The uh, they're like, yeah, if like if we can get him to twenty twenty, like it is like yeah, it, was, it wasn't. It was when, not if. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like we're gonna make that happen. It's yeah. like yeah, we we got because I remember a quote saying uh, that I heard from somebody that knows one of the coaches said that yeah, they, they said that uh like didn't even like just said it to me in passing it was like yeah, they said that they got a twenty twenty one kid coming in next year. Talking about Paulo, who it had to be. This is talking about big, and it was like 
yeah. Uh, what so where's where's the disconnect? Like, where does UK have to like in these situations where they're in the lead early, and then stuff wanes like Zion. UK is in phenomenal position. That's a different ordeal. That all right? That's not the best one. That's that's but a whole. Different, I get your point. I get your point. Things like that. Yeah, um, like like we've said on this show plenty of times, I think I would take Kentucky's um, building early relationships better than just about anybody in the country. I think Joel Justice in particular has, has done a phenomenal job of just, you know, reaching out to those guys two, three, you know, two or three classes ahead and saying, hey, you know, you're our guy. We want you here. This, you know, they, they do a great job there. And then I don't know if it's a, you know, they build up so much confidence that they, you know, kind of drop off contact after they feel like they've, they've got it. And then, you know, not singling out any, any coach, just the whole coaching staff in general, they feel like they get to this point with these guys where they're like, all right, we got this wrapped up. Let's start, you know, picking and choosing these other guys and trying to build the class around them. And then the, the recruits themselves go, wait, you haven't called me or texted me or, you know, our relationship isn't what it was two weeks ago, two months ago. What, what happened there? You know, these, these kids, 16, 17 year old kids, they want to be, they, you know, to be honest, they want to be pampered. They want to be, you know, they have their ego stroked. And this is, you know, this is one of those things they, they, they want to be called and texted every single day. And if they're not getting that level of contact, they're like, well, this, you know, this other pretty girl down the street is, is giving me that same attention. So why won't I just go, go with them? So I think, I think it's just, I, I, I mean, I, that's the only, that's the only thing that I could even come up with other than, you know, just the fact that they got to, I don't, I, you can't blame Kenny Payne. Cause I mean, he's Kenny Payne, one of the best recruiters in the game. And he is one of Kentucky's top closers. Cal Perry is arguably the best closer. So I, I do think it's the drop off. It's the handoff. It's not, you know, it's not the building relationships part and it's not the, Hey, let's get you to commit right this second. It's the handoff. It, I think Travis, I think that's a perfect point. I, it's that in between part that I just, I'm, I'm confused about. It. I don't understand what is happening in between those those steps, and it might just be that level of contact they drops off. And then when they push for a commitment, they're like, "Well, you haven't talked to me in X number of days. This relationship wasn't what it what it, what it was before." I don't know. That's the only that's the only thing I could come up with at this point. Sean, do you have any insight on that? It's it's a gut punch. I mean, it's a gut punch. You, you've said it twice, and I think that imagine how Cal and the staff feels. You you spend all this time building these relationships, like you guys mentioned. That that is something that this staff is really good at is building relationships. You saw that in the uh, press notes and stuff after Kenny Payne went to New York. What was the one thing that Cal said about Kenny? His relationships mm -hmm. that he builds. And I just think, you know, with COVID-19 and stuff, you're in a time where there's no in-person recruiting. I don't know if that would have changed this because yeah. obviously Duke did something. Duke did something right to get this to happen. Uh, but didn't run point guard apparently. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, uh, I don't know, this program that it – we go through periods of this, but right now it feels like they need some positive news and maybe more than just one positive thing, maybe two or three positive things to happen here to get some, some momentum during a time where it's probably hard to generate momentum during all this. Yeah. I think it's a great point. And uh, again, perfect segue into the next thing. I, I know, I know you did there. You, I, I, you, there's a method to your madness. I know it. You, you um, got so, me. so one of those things that he's referring to is, 
the potential addition of Jay Lucas, a blast from the past, one of Kentucky's former targets back in the 2007 class, uh, former McDonald's All-American, top 20, top 30-ish type, type recruit. Uh, but back in the day, it was Jay Lucas, Patrick Patterson. Oh, you know, you got to get both of them. That was going to be, you know, Billy Gillespie's home run uh, recruiting duo that obviously fell short on the Jay Lucas front. He ended up signing with Florida. Then after a year transferred to Texas, he spent the rest of his final two years of eligibility over uh, with the Longhorns. And then after spending some time in the pro ranks, uh, instantly went back to the Texas coaching staff as like a grad assistant, special assistant to the head coach type thing. And kind of just kept working his way up the totem pole. And by the end of his time, well, potential end of his time at, at Texas, he established himself as one of the best up-and-coming recruiters in college basketball. I mean, without a doubt, I'd say that he is the most connected uh, individual in Texas recruiting. I mean, the state of Texas, not Texas Longhorns, um, the, the the state of Texas, I think he is the most connected. Uh, he knows everybody in in the in the uh, in the country. Uh, I, the first text I got when we were hearing rumors of this potentially coming to fruition was he has limitless resources. The dude just knows everybody. His dad is one of the most well-respected names in college basketball. It, you know, just, I guess just basketball in general, uh, John Lucas. So when you have a, an opportunity to bring a guy like that on campus as, you know, add him to the coaching staff. It's a move that you absolutely have to make. And it's a move that Kentucky's trying to make. They are actively in discussions. They've with, with Jay Lucas uh, to add him on as a special assistant to the head coach. And uh, as you know, I kind of mentioned it would be, I mean, flat out, I, I think it would be a, a home run hire on all fronts, Sean. Uh, you know, we, we, I would say this trio right here, we pretty pretty well rounded in Jay Lucas and kind of how things came to fruition and the timeline of events and and all that good stuff. So I, I feel like you deserve you deserve some some credit on this too, some some proper uh, pats on the back. But just first and foremost, before we get into how it came to fruition and all that good stuff, what what would his addition to the coaching staff mean? Before that, you could make a case that he signed your paychecks because yeah. when uh, KSR the birth of KSR, Jack was. Uh, Jay Lucas and Patrick Patterson recruitment. And so, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Full circle. If this thing works out circle of KSR life back to the relationships that we were talking about before this with Kenny Payne, this is a guy that would build relationships years ahead from when someone gets to campus. Uh, It's a 31 year old coach, uh, young legs going to, you know, we'll have absolute fire on the recruiting trail. Uh, just some young blood in your program, a guy that is well-known, well-respected all the way, all across this country uh, when it comes to recruitments. I mean, the Greg Brown recruitment, I mean, you're talking about a home run hire if you can pair it if, with Bruiser Flint. If you put the two together, it makes so much more sense than what it did with just Bruiser's name because now you can sort of see it all shaped together and see where these roles – and we're, we're still unclear on what the roles would be, mm-hmm. but it – the bruiser Flint hire would be accepted even more with BBN if Lucas comes with it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, that, I, I think when you think of them as a pair, that's when, that's when you start thinking, okay, this, those two as a package easily makes this, you know, the adding both of them to the staff at the same time makes it just a, a tremendous, tremendous hire. What Travis, what are your, you know, what, when, when the rumors first came out that Jay Lucas was potentially being added to the coaching staff, what was your first thought? 
Well, the the first room I heard wasn't even a name. I had somebody message me. Uh, all my days are running together. Uh, I've been really yeah. busy all, like, <laughs> with stuff in my personal life, and uh, I can't remember what day it was, but like a couple of days before, I heard the name Jay Lucas, or maybe the night before. It uh, somebody said, "Is UK looking at adding a recruiting assistant?" I was like, "I guess." Yeah, and then I then we started connecting the dots. It was like me, you, and some others heard Jay Lucas. It's like, oh, like that's who we're talking about here. But yeah, like like Sean said, some some young blood to just kind of change up some stuff. Uh, it's good every once in a while. You don't get complacent that way. Uh, the Lucas family name holds weight, especially in Texas. And the thing with Texas, Texas is UK has done historically good recru- recruiting down there. And every year, Texas has two or three top twenty-five guys. Mm-hmm. So if you can help in that department down there, I mean, that's that's big time. That's a as somebody, if you can get somebody strictly over that area that has that area kind of cornered off, I mean, that, that's a that's a pretty good get if you're able to get them. So, in terms of the timeline of events and how this kind of all came to fruition, and again, we'll we'll get to if this is actually going to happen. It it seems, I mean, based on what we know and what who we've talked to, it sounds like this is very. It's further along in the in the process that it, it's almost to the point where you of no, of no return, they've already gotten to that point, you know, talking money, talking, you know, what it would be. It's, it would be almost too awkward to end things where they are right now. So that that's why there's so much forward momentum that this is going to the the deal is eventually going to be done. But right now it's not done. Let's just make that clear. It's not a, it's the contract has not been signed. It's, I mean, this is still talks are still ongoing as, as at the time of this, this recording. Um, But yeah, so let's see what, again, what, I don't even know what day it is. Today's Wednesday, Thursday. uh, And I think it was Monday evening was when the first rumors started coming out. I had heard back on Back when Kenny Payne left, um, there were rumors that that the Bruiser Flint stuff came almost almost instantly. And then at that same time, they were like, "Don't be surprised if there's some shuffling around with roles um, within within the program uh, in in terms of the of the coaching staff that could potentially add a new piece." Didn't I didn't hear of any name? Didn't know that they had somebody in mind that they were going to to address. Um, but then after we found out. Um, believe it was Monday night. I, I was up till one thirty in the morning that night, calling, texting as many, you know, DMing as many people as I could possibly think of that would know anything and everything about, uh, about Jay Lucas, what he would bring to the program, what, where we are in this process. Um, and that night I heard that, that this, this is happening last week. It was kind of made clear that this is, this is something serious. Uh, I think Kentucky has been, I was told that Kentucky has been in contact with with him for multiple weeks, that this is a, and it has been an ongoing thing for at least two weeks now. So when you get that level of, of, you know, consistent communication and we, we, you know, get all the way up to the point of, you know, talking money, talking all that. I mean, this, the, that's that's why we're getting to the point of no return that this is very very likely to come to fruition um i mean it's i I, the exact quote i got on i believe it was tuesday afternoon when the news finally broke that um i believe uh rick bozich was the first one that pulled the trigger see a, a bunch of people in the uk media knew that this was happening but didn't know how it was happening and weren't willing to you know move forward with 
with, with an announcement or, you know, even hinting at it. Rick Bozich was the first guy to hint at it. And then it seemed like ever since then, people were talking about it on message boards. People were talking about it on, you know, public radio, ESPN radio, and, you know, all these different platforms it, th- that the whispers of that name started coming to fruition. And he was still coaching on the, the like he conducted practice at Texas walked off the floor with his teammates or with, you know, with, with his team and had, you know, a hundred messages in his phone saying, bro, you going to, te- you going to Kentucky, you taking the Kentucky coaching job. This has been announced. Why are you, you know, and having to deal with that with his players right in front of him. And the first thing that I was told that, that afternoon was that he is irritated with how this, this all came to fruition. He did not want this to get out the way it did, even though he is very likely to still take this job. He wanted it to be announced on his terms. He wanted this to be his, you know, his ordeal, say goodbye to the, 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 the school that, gave him a platform originally transferred there. He ended his college career there, uh, gave him that platform to stay on the coaching staff, be there for, you know, since 2013, I believe it was. So they, they gave him that first opportunity. He wanted to be able to announce it on his terms and say goodbye to the, to the staff that kind of made him. And, uh, and it, it kind of got announced for him. And that's where that frustration, uh, frustration came from. So again, this is very likely to happen and everything we've heard so far is that it's going to, it's going to come next week at some point that bruiser Flint's edition is going to be announced early next week. I think they're going to be announced separately. Um, And you know, well, I think by the end of next week, we'll have two more, two more names to add to the coaching staff. One being a great X's and O's guy, great, you know, rebounding coach, just, I mean, he was an he was a college coach for thirty years. I mean, when you have that level of 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 you know expertise and just being a veteran coach, that that holds weight in itself. And then when you factor in you know just what Jay Lucas brings to the table as a recruiter and and just his relationships and and all that good stuff, I mean, it's those two together are a match made in heaven. Um, Travis, what role do you see Jay Lucas having? If he doesn't have the, you know, because as of right now, he's bringing, being brought on as a special assistant to the head coach, meaning he will not be one of the three guys that can go off campus and recruit in, in person. So, the, I mean, he's, he's going to be, ha- ha- he's going to have like a John Robick role in terms of actual name with, you know, within the program. What do you think his day to day operation, his day to day role is going to be within the program? Um, like I said, like I've said a couple times on this podcast, I've been, uh, really busy with personal life stuff, uh, this past week. <clears throat> so I haven't had really time to connect the dots and see who's going to be who on, on the staff. But I mean, it's gonna be interesting because Jay is a guy that his, his best assets recruiting, uh, he's a good player developer too, but at the same time, you need somebody like that out recruiting and, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be like a position in waiting type of deal or, I mean, I guess we'll see. I really don't, I really don't know on this. Um, it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. If he, if he ends up taking the job. Yeah. It's been a rumor, but nobody's ever said, Hey, it's done. Like this is like fin- finalizing deals. It's just been rumors and we know that there's contact. So. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why, People wanted this, you know, the first the first thing people said when that name was brought up was keep this on the down low. This is something to be kept under wraps. We don't want this name out there. And then 
very quickly, you know, with, uh, you know, I'm not blaming Rick Bozich at all, at all. He talks to who he wants to talk to. And the, the person that told him very well could have told him, shoot, I heard this through somebody else. I don't care what you do with it. He very well could have, you know, wanted to put that out there and, and been, been okayed to. So I'm not blaming him in any stretch, but um, just, I think this is something that everybody, both sides wanted to keep under wraps until it got to the point, you know, like the bruiser Flint thing where it's a, it's agreed upon. It's a done deal with him. So I think that's what they wanted to wait to get to that point. But uh, I'm I'm just, the worst case scenario is that this all comes out and Jay Lucas gets cold feet again and turns down Kentucky for a third time. First as a, as a recruit, second as a transfer and third as a coach, that would be, that would be very, very tough for the for the staff and and uh, for Kentucky fans that need a a bit of good news in their life w- with without a doubt. So, um, hey, I got a question real quick um, before we get into something else. A secondary thing with this Apollo uh, announcement. You know how everybody thought that he was possibly leaning toward Tennessee since Kennedy Chandler went there. Um, what do you think this puts? Because we know how Bobby, how involved Bobby Mays is with Brandon Huntley Hatfield. I wonder now Brandon's probably Tennessee's top target at the four position outside of Jabari Smith. So <laughs> it's uh, and people close to the Kentucky program said that they are kind of like about how they feel about Brandon. Um, uh, last time I talked to him a couple weeks ago, they're kind of like. There's some things that they're wanting him to work on that he's not doing. There's some things that, like just how he's handling his recruitment. Um, I don't think that they like how he tries to play a point guard as a power forward. Yeah. And I don't think they like his motor. But, I mean, he's a guy I think UK would take him. But I wonder, yeah. I wonder where, where, if UK is putting their eggs in other baskets now. Because, uh, I mean, he was a lock for UK there for a while. But this, yeah. if this happens, this is on UK's side. Um, this isn't like Kentucky dropped the ball if he don't go to Kentucky. This is like would probably be a Kentucky cut ties sort of deal. But I mean, that remains to be seen. We'll see what happens over the next couple months. But it's uh he he definitely wants people to know that he's open. That's for sure. Yeah, that's it. and the people that look at Brandon Huntley Hatfield as a well. Okay, we're list, we're we're missing Paolo, but we're still going to get a top ten kid in in Brandon Huntley Hatfield. Brandon is ranked where he is right now because of potential and what his body looks like right now. As his his mother told us a couple, I think it was a month or two back, he's now six ten, two thirty five. I mean, he's a he's a monster in terms of size, NBA ready body today. Um, but he doesn't use his body the way that he needs. It's kind of like a very similar to Alex Poyther situation. You're like, dude, you are the strongest, most physically dominating player on the court right now. You could average as many points and rebounds as you want if you just physically took games over, and he refuses to. He just he, he just doesn't. He floats on the perimeter, shoots shoots way too many jump shots, and, the, and I think that's where that level of frustration is coming from with, with Kentucky. They know how good he could be. That's why they're still recruiting him as hard as they are, but – he is not the instant day one impact guy that Paolo is. And that's why it was getting both is so huge because you could get your instant guy, you know, your instant production guy, and then ease Brandon Huntley Hatfield in as a, okay, 
we'll see if he's, you know, build that potential, work on that potential, see if we could get him, mold him into what he needs to be. But he's not going to be a day one instant impact guy. He's just not, even at his, you know, top 10 ranking. He, I, I, he is ranked where he is right now because of what he could be, not what he is. So um, that, that's the fans that look at that as a, well, at least we got that in our back pocket. It's not, it's, you gotta, you, you're going to, Calipari is going to have to find instant production somewhere else. And, and as of right now, it might be Lance Ware, might be, um, you know, Isaiah Jackson, if, if both of them return, could be an instant impact transfer guy as expected. I mean, Kentucky's going to hit that transfer portal hard, but from there, I mean, it's, it's not going to be Brandon Huntley Hatfield. That's going to be your instant production guy. It's going to be somewhere else. So I'm, it's, it's tough. I'm hoping that we get this good news with Jay Lucas soon. I hope Bruiser Flint's edition is, is officially announced. I, th- I hope they both come uh, next week. They're both announced and they can hit the, it, in, in fact, Sean, we talked about this on the phone um, the, the, when all this stuff was kind of happening and, and rumors were swirling about it. And I, I brought up this point to you. It feels like Cal found a loophole with Jay Lucas adding him to the staff right now in terms of just get him on campus right now. We don't care what your role is. We're, we're going to give you that special assistant to the head coach job right now, pay you. I think the rumor is right now it's going to be $350,000 somewhere in that ballpark. Um, we're going to pay you well. You're going to you know, have an off-court role, but there's no uh, off-court – off-campus recruiting right now doesn't exist there are no you know there's no official visits there's no hosting kids there's not no going to see kids there's rumors that the eval we're not going to see another evaluation period till 2021 that these you know major aau events aren't going to be coming back till the spring so right now it doesn't matter what his role is he could he could come on and, and and you know have whatever job title he wants he can still be a part of the virtual visits and the zoom calls and you know b- being the one of the first faces of you know recruiting for Kentucky he can still be a young up and coming face be in contact with these kids like have a you know can't be an off campus recruiter can't be an official recruiter for UK as a non assistant but still have that opportunity to be a recruiting face within the program on top of what Bruiser Flint's going to give you, on top of what Tony Barbie's going to give you, and especially on top of what Joel Justice is going to give you, who at the end of the day, Kentucky wants those two to be the, the up-and-coming recruiting, you know, the, the two young guys that are hitting the recruiting trail hard, full of energy, full of, you know, promise, know the game, fantastic at building relationships. That's the end goal. Um, if Joel Justice doesn't get a, a head coaching job within the next yeah. next year. And I think that's kind of the, okay, we'd like to have them together, but even if Joel leaves to take a head coaching job as, as deserved, the dude works his butt off, kind of having Jay as that instant, you know, transition guy to, to just ease right into the, to the head recruiting role at Kentucky to be the, the head relationship guy, all that stuff. So, I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense. It should work out. Please just let this come to fruition. Please let this sign on the dotted line and get this over with. Yeah, I've been digging into this the last couple of days, just looking at salaries and and things like that. So, you know, Kentucky has money to work with here with Kenny Payne, with just south of a million dollars, I'm pretty sure, was his, was his salary. Yep. So, Bruiser Flint made – $307,530. That was his base salary at Indiana this past year. So there's a lot of money there to work with. 
You mentioned the money that's reportedly rumored for Lucas. Uh, so you're still under what you paid Kenny Payne. Yeah. But you could get two people together, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, the job, I guess what we're waiting on now is just for it to be official with Kentucky with Bruiser Flint. Mm -hmm. uh, that job position is still posted as an open position on Kentucky. And then it looks like the Indiana job is officially – it's been posted as a basketball opening to around the same time, 10 days ago, 10 days ago. So that's around the time KP left. Uh, so now I guess we're just uh, going to play this thing out over the weekend and get into next week and see what happens. Uh, who's announced first? Do they announce them together? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the Lucas news going public probably delayed things and slowed things down a little bit, or it might have been sooner. Uh, but I'm, I don't know what the role will be. You mentioned that on the phone the other night. Just get him here. Let him get in the program, be a name they can throw out there. Uh, when in when recruiting returns on in campus visits, it's probably a face that'll be there when they when they visit. And then, like you said, if if someone leaves the staff, you've got a guy right there who's going to move into a larger role. He's thirty one years old. I mean, look at what Joel did. Joel started sitting at the end of the bench mm -hmm. on the year Kentucky went undefeated. And when Slice left, what did they do? Yep. Joel moved into a new new position, and here's Joel four or five years later on top assistant list will be a head coach in the near future. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at maybe a same situation, move Lucas up and you've got a young coach who can recruit and build relationships for the program. I think it's a win-win if this gets done, but it, listen, if this doesn't get done with Lucas, <laughs> then it's just another gut punch that I don't even know. I don't even want to know the reaction. Yeah. I, I hope we don't ever get to that point where we, even have to learn of what what that would feel like but, i mean kentucky fans need good news right now i mean they 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 flat out do right now everything in the world freaking sucks everything is just so you know you can't go on social media every everything just sucks right now and we need it i mean kentucky fans just need a little kick in the butt of positivity and the, that's exactly what this would be. I mean, it doesn't make up for Paolo's departure, doesn't make up for Kenny Payne's departure, but it would at least be a step in the right direction. Sean, I think you, I think you put it perfectly. I think when you said that it might not just be one thing Kentucky fans need, it might be like three or four, you know, a, a kind of a little run of, you know, all right, I just need, we just need a little punch, a little punch in the gut of, of a good punch in the gut, like a little soft, like teddy bear punch to the gut. Like, oh, this dose of commitment. Good. Yeah, I was uh, yeah. I was intentional with my three or four that I mentioned there a minute ago, three or four good things. That was intentional. Let's see. Let's see. Well, Johan, you got twenty twenty, so that counts as like five negatives. Yeah, <laughs> you got Kenny Payne. That's a couple negatives. Paulo, that probably that might hurt some fans' feelings worse than Kenny leaving. And then Dwayne Peavy. Yeah, uh, then you've. I mean, Kentucky's Kentucky shoots like Flint. plus ten right now in golf. Yeah. So, so, so I gave you Bruiser Flint and Jay Lucas as two possible positives. So now, are there any more possible positives? Hmm. Well, see, that's the thing, though, is I feel like Bruiser, I feel like the way that Kentucky fans were acting about that news, like, I don't think that would help them. <laughs> like, yeah. the, you get on Twitter, it's like, what? Yeah. What? But uh, yeah. Jay, Lucas, Jay Lucas, I think both of them would be fantastic hires if it comes to fruition. I, I think UK is still in good position for a commitment here in a few weeks. We'll get to that here shortly. Um, and then 
could be a couple possible commitments and then look for a couple new offers too. So, I mean, things could pick up and they need to pick up because the, the filling around BBN right now is pretty down and everybody's just at each other's throats about everything uh, just because they hate the information. Well, as both of you guys kind of touched on and kind of, you know, throwing me the alley-oop and waiting for the reverse, you know, reverse as slam. You, as long as you don't shoot a three, you'll be all right. <laughs> okay. It was a bad day. It was a bad shooting day. Well, we'll get into that here in, in just a second. Um, that was us going to see Sky Clark. He was making fun of me because we, we went up to go see Sky Clark and, and a couple other guys work out and, and, and uh, we stayed afterward and I miss like, 15 straight threes you, you build a new gym for them it was like 15 straight threes seriously like i i couldn't i, I didn't make a single three the, the entire the entire time i sat there all right sean watch this one's going in i promise this one's going in bonk bonk every single shot and he's just sitting there giggling to himself like oh so you know i have a heckler right in front of me trying to while i'm trying to you know make a shot so that's what he's referring to and he can kick rocks for that um <laughs> but the other bit of good good news that uh both of those guys were referring to bryce hopkins the guy that we had his his head coach on the show last week um there's a lot of positive momentum surrounding his recruitment right now there's a lot of there's rumblings that an offer is going to be coming in the near future for him and if that does come Odds are very, 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 very good that Kentucky will land his commitment, and fairly soon. I mean, we talked to his dad last week. Um, actually, we stopped the show in the middle of it. We he called us while we were in the you know in the middle of recording. Told us that he was wanting to commit in here in the next month, month and a half. Uh, so we're slowly inching toward that. Um, but if that offer does come the way that the rumors are kind of swirling pretty quickly that it is, uh, it, it definitely feels like Kentucky is going to be landing his commitment. And that would be yet another awesome, you know, step in the right direction after this just doom and gloom last, who knows how long, uh, five months. <laughs> so, uh, Travis, what, what, uh, what do you know about Bryce Hopkins that I haven't touched on and, uh, just kind of, what what would you think about his his addition being the first uh, 2021 commit for Kentucky? <clears throat> I like Bryce as a player. He reminds me of Jordan Morrow. We talked about that on here last time. Um, Mid-range scorer, big-bodied, strong. Uh, probably needs to lose a little bit of weight. Probably needs to tone up his body um, to get that motor running at super high speed. But I think he's a good fit. I think he's a two- to three-year player. I mean – if he goes to Kentucky, <laughs> who knows? One but, to two year player. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I put in a future cast for him yesterday. And the only stipulation is if Kentucky offers, because I've heard from so many people from so many different angles that absolute that actually know this recruitment. Um, this isn't Apollo, like they're not tight lipped, like they're uh like they, they got a lot of people around them that um help him make the best decision for him. And all of them pretty much say, like, hey, if Kentucky offers, he's going to be a cat. And that would be an absolute gut punch to Louisville. So, I mean, if that's one less gut punch for Kentucky, maybe it could add on another because it's a gut punch to Louisville. So, I mean, that, that might be right a there. right there. That but, right there, yes. <laughs> but I think – I don't know, because there's going to be some fans that get um, that get kind of distraught about it because you're missing out on a guy like Paulo and getting a guy that's uh, – Mid, mid to low five star yeah um, 
yeah, he'll he'll probably be top twenty next uh, ranking rankings cycle, I'd say. But I mean, good score could be like a could have a PJ Washington two and through type of career. But um, yeah, I think he I think he'd be a good starter. Like Kentucky needs something. You just need something right now. You just need some momentum. Once you get that first that first bit of momentum is the hardest part. Once you get that, then it, roll on from there. Yeah, I mean, that's what happened last year. B.J. Boston committed in June, and then the week after, it was Cameron Fletcher got added to the added to the recruiting class. And then because believe, yeah. the thing is, like, just like in football, too, it's like once you get a couple of guys rolling, you basically, like, the less amount of spots there is, more people are, want to jump in it quick to get that spot to, like, save, save their spot on the roster. So that's usually how you get a, two, three guys – then four, five, six, seven are already in the bag if it's not public. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sean, you are actually up in Bryce Hopkins territory right now. What do you know about him? And, uh, and uh, are you going to be the one to break this scoop when you ultimately go see him? Hopefully I get to go see him. Still trying to uh, set that up. But I did pass a Fenwick Friars bus today. There you go. So, it, it's it's – yeah, it's, it's, the stars are aligning. Yeah, it's aligning. Uh, yeah, like Travis said earlier, though, man, what what better shot in the arm than to take something from Louisville? Yeah. I mean, that's that makes it a win. But, yeah, there, there's going to be a select few, well, probably a large select few that will say, well, we get these kids, but we can't get the, the, the Bancaros. I mean, that, that's At the same time, that's how it's people realize Duke didn't get one top ten kid last year. Yeah. And Kentucky got two top five guys. So, I mean, it bounces out. And to, yeah. truth, truth be told, after the top five in twenty uh, in twenty twenty one, they're all pretty much equivalent. The rest of the five stars, twenty twenty one sucks as a class. You got like five studs, and then there's a bunch of guys that are interchangeable from like six to thirty. I just mapped it. I'm exactly ten minutes from the from his school. You could go walk and say you you can go walk and record as a commitment video right now. I could. <laughs> I'd love to. Well, start walking. I mean, you'll, you'll get, get there. Him, get him on here, and we just break it on here. Yeah. I'll just take you with me. I'll just pick this <laughs> up and go. <laughs> Might as well. But, yeah, it'd be a, definitely a step in the right direction. That would be that would be number three, I guess. Number four, who we have already touched on briefly, uh, that we went to go see just, uh, just last night. We went to go watch Sky Clark work out. Um, he was up in Northern Kentucky. He was up there with the likes of Sage Tolentino, who Kentucky has previously been in touch with. Um, Kai Soto is, he's currently in quarantine. He's about to head, head to, uh, California for the G league here on Sunday. So they, Kai Soto and, and Sage Tolentino have, have similar, I don't want to say handlers, but similar people, they're, they're friends. They, they hang out all the time. Um, so they are together. So Sage is, Sage is up there. Uh, Paul McMillan, who is likely going to end up at a, at a Louisville or an Indiana. He's, you know, school, school like that. Um, he was also up there. A bunch of, uh, a bunch of Cincinnati players, Northern Kentucky players. I mean, it was a solid, solid group of kids playing, uh, you know, what, two hours worth of, of running, I, I'd say. So, yeah, we went to go see Sky Clark. I just right off the top. What did you guys think of, of, Sky Clark's game, uh, Sean. We haven't gotten your, you know, we've talked extensively about Sky on this show in the past, so I'm interested to see your thoughts on on first glance seeing him in person. 
Well, if it seems like the sky's falling right now, maybe the the clouds will part pretty soon, hopefully, because uh, that he's sky, really good. Sky puns, man, just hilarious. Yeah, pretty funny. <laughs> but no, seriously though, he he's a very talented player. It's the first live look that I've got at him. I know you two are more plugged in on his front than I am. Last night was the first time I got to meet him and his dad too. So, but just. It was fun to sit back and just watch. I think he's really good with the basketball in his hands. Uh, really crafty finisher at the rim with either hand. I, I like the one thing that stood out to me, Jack. You and I walked to the other end of the floor and sort of got up close on the end that he was playing offense on. And I liked how he sort of just manned it all. Like he just, you know, the way he was vocal with some guys, he he knew that you knew that that kid belonged in the gym from the moment he stepped foot in, on the court. Right. Where some other guys there, you could see some of those younger guys were sort of finding their footing, and it took them a couple of games to get started. Uh, no, when, once he got going, man, his team didn't sit down for a few games. Yep. Um, Travis, we've seen him before in the past in person. We had, you know, our, our initial thoughts were, you know, similar to Sean, really impressed, you know, liked a whole lot about his game. What were you hoping to see this time out of him? Has your – have your thoughts changed on what he is as potentially Kentucky's next point guard? Um, have your thoughts changed at all? What were you hoping to see that you maybe didn't see? What were you not expecting to see that you ended up seeing? What was, what was your, uh, your, your ultimate takeaway, you know, now that you've, you've seen him a couple times in person? Yeah. And last night he's going against uh, some, some overseas pros, some high school players, uh, Paul McMillan, a four star from 2022 up in Cincinnati was playing. Um, Paul's pretty good himself. He's um, UK. He went to Big Blue Madness last year. Uh, pretty pretty solid player. But in terms of Sky, I think that he has a high basketball IQ, phenomenal in pick and rolls, knows how to pass really well, crafty around the rim, good finisher. But I, the three times I went and watched him play, he's never shot particularly well. Um, granted, he's he's a good shooter. He shot forty. Uh, he shot thirty nine percent last year on over two hundred attempts in high school, which I know that's different than college. I mean, but I think you can expect him to be a thirty three percent or better three point shooter at the next level. But I think he's a guy um, talking to his dad last night. UK still wants him bad for twenty twenty one, and that's still on the table. Um, still, still expect to commit within next few weeks. They kind of changed some things around. They. Uh, last night, his dad told me they want like the school behind, to be behind him, uh, do things quote the right way. Because his dad had contacted me a couple weeks ago and said that they were going to commit here sometime here soon. But they want to do things the right way. Um, I think that he would be a good get for 21 or 22. I think I know he's really close. Like it depends on who UK gets in 2021. Um, if UK gets Hunter Salas, who we'll get to here in a minute, you don't necessarily need him. But Sky's a guy that can play the one and the two he's a point guard but he's a guy that could play off ball as well and he's a guy that another point guard can coexist with and people want to play with so I think his addition would be awesome for either year um but personally like looking at like he's a young 2022 kid he's not a holdback kid I think that giving him another year of development and possibly growing another inch and just working on parts of his game if he came he's ready UK coaches say that he's ready now Mm-hmm. They think that he's ready for the college game now because he's physical and he's a thick point guard. He's strong. But I think if you had him for – if you got a good point guard, so you get Hunter Salas and Jaden Hardy, who would be electric for 2021. 
Then you let Sky stay in 2022. He's friends with all the 2022 kids. Let him build a relationship. Possibly uh, him and Jaden Bradley talk about being a package deal. He's close, he's close with a lot of other top guys. Uh, let him be the center of that class and kind of be the lead recruiter. And, yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm all for him being 2021 as well. But, it's like, if if you could play everything perfectly, you get Salas and Hardy for um, – for one year, and then you get Sky with his networking, his his brand within the high school ranks to build a class around him for the next year. I think it, I think that'd be the best bet. Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head with just knowing what he brings to the table off the court in terms of just his popularity. He would be an awesome recruiter for Kentucky. I mean, without a doubt, I think he would be instrumental in landing other high-profile guys. Like you said, he's really close with Jaden Bradley, um, who Kentucky's in a really, really solid spot with. UK thinks that that uh, he's he's favoring Kentucky. The people in recruiting circles, people talking to people, talking to people that know you know the Bradley family, know Jaden himself. It seems like Kentucky is the you know a, a head a head above everybody else in his recruitment. So when you when you know his clout, know, when you know Sky, what he brings to the table, just in terms of relationships and and off the court, it, it's all icing on the cake. What he brings on the court, I mean, he could you could build an awesome class around him in either in either year. Uh, you can get a couple other reclass guys to join him if you want, like a Jaden Bradley. Um, I'm sure he would you know, like a Hunter Salas would like to play with him in 2021, whatever the case is, there, there are plenty of options, especially at the guard position for Kentucky uh, for this 2022 class or 2021 class rather. So that's part of the reason why we shouldn't say the sky is falling, the sky is falling yet, um, but definitely need some positive, positive recruiting momentum for sure. in, in the very near future outside of just sky at that, um, in this run, we got to see Sage Tolentino. Um, I'm really interested to see what you guys thought of his game because um, when I was on the beach in Jamaica, I got a, a text that said that Kentucky had been in, in very consistent contact with Sage T- Tolentino, originally out of out of Hawaii. Um, he's over over here working out with with the Griffin Elite guys up in Northern Kentucky. Um, th- there was fairly constant, consistent communication with Kenny Payne uh we talked to you know his people last night they said that Kentucky hadn't reached out since Kenny Payne left so we'll have to see where where things go there but in terms of on-court talent what you guys think of his game Travis what do you think of him as a long-term guy do you think you know do you think Kentucky should reach back out to him and, and establish that knowing that odds are pretty good that UK could land his commitment if they if they really push for one he told me last night in an interview for uh, Made Hoops, another site I work for, that, like, he's waiting on – like, he wants Kentucky offer is what he said. Like, But to me, it's like I think he's got a, a unique skill set. I don't think he's – I don't think he would fit in Kentucky's system. I think he would be a pro, but I don't know if he's going to be an overseas pro or if he's going to be an NBA guy. Could be another G League route since he's got the same manager that Kai Soto has. But Kansas offered him. I just, I just don't see him as a Kentucky guy. Could be, maybe the staff sees something in him that that we don't, but or that I don't. But it's a the way the way his style of play is, and like his lack of rim protection for the size that he is. His, here's what 
his manager told us last night that he's growing an eighth of an inch per week, and he's like seven foot to seven one right now. Seven one. <laughs> I mean, he's he's pretty quick on his feet. He's about he's he's quicker than Kai Soto was, I thought, at at the same age. But he, um, I don't think he's. I just don't think he's the rim runner, the rim protector that Cal Perry would want. He could be. I mean, stranger things have happened, but I I don't see it. I I think he's a. I think he could go overseas and just absolutely dominate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I get it. That's what I, that's, that's what I kept saying over and over again, that seeing him, I understand. I understand why Kansas offered. I understand why somebody at a high major school would look at him and go, okay, I think we could do something with that. I think we can mold him into, into a, a high profile elite basketball player but right now he is 16 years old really 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 raw I mean I mean he would he fumbles the fumbles passes he gets his his stuff blocked very regularly I mean just awkward move I mean just there's a lot there are a lot of flaws in his game but once every four times he touches the ball he'll do something that make you go "Ooh, okay all right, okay, right there, right there is why Kansas offered. Right there is why in two years when he gets on a college campus, he could be an, an impact guy or even more likely two, you know, a year or two into his college career, he would eventually blossom into what he could, he could become. Skilled offensively, about a half second late on every single defensive rotation, every, you know, I don't, did we see him block a single shot the entire the entire night? I think I saw one one block shot, and it was a little. I think it might have been that eighth grader. I don't know. It was a small small guy that he that he blocked. wasn't de- impressive defensively at all, but he had flashes offensively. He was. I mean, he hit. He went two for three shooting in, in, in corner threes, and shot looked really good. I mean, it was. He looked comfortable taking those shots. Not like a seven foot guy. You know taking it out of necessity he he can make those shots so I get it I totally understand it I don't think Kentucky's going to end up getting him I don't think that they're going to end up offering him um I don't know like Travis said I don't think it's a good fit but I get it I understand and I'm I mean I'm I mean great good kid you know good good people around him I am I am rooting rooting like heck for him um shoot I, I hope Has he does ever had a, had a Hawaiian kid before I don't think so. Uh, not that I know of off the top of my head. I, I, I don't think of any either. You, you mentioned, Jack, you know, where he would show you a flash every couple of plays. And I think early on what stood out to me is when he caught a ball that he should have dunked. Yes. And he tried to shoot a reverse layup as a seven-footer. And I, was, and I looked at you, I was like, ooh. And then, and, and, then two, and then, like, the next game – he goes on a pick and roll and then just crams right on top of somebody. Yeah. And then we were like, okay, there it is. But I mean, then he'll go back. It's just, you see these things. It, but the one thing that I think that he's really good at, he has really good touch and feel like he's quick off, like the ball in his hands, he gets it out of his hands quick. He's got a really nice touch around 10 feet, but you see the potential. But like Travis said, like you both said, I just, if that kid comes to Kentucky, Cal, that's not the type of seven footer or big man that Cal usually. I don't, I don't know how would how would he even. I don't know what he would look like in UK system because I don't know if he'll ever be a back to the basket big at seven foot. 
Yeah. I'll say this is he looks a lot more coordinated than most kids that are like him. Like there's he some does. seven ones that are athletic freaks, but he's the type of seven one that's like Kai Soto, uh, and then could grow to be like a Shigari Aline. Shigari Aline was was uncoordinated as hell. And just like just looked like he had just learned how to play basketball. But he was just big as hell. But he uh I think I think uh Sage is really I think I think he's really coordinated for his size. And I mean it's gotta be awkward if you're growing that fast too. There's so many things about you just as a person, let alone as a basketball player, that you're getting adjusted to and that you feel awkward to. So Maybe when he stops growing, if he hits like seven two, seven three, like here in a couple of years, he could be something special. Yeah. Well, well, when he dunked that ball last night, the entire gym just erupted because yeah. obviously that's something that people have been wanting to see out of him. Yeah. It was you just him just take that he's not a he's not wired to be a killer. Like no. Yeah. He's but, my God, nice he's kid. so long though. Like when you were interviewing him, uh, Jack and I were talking about it. You were like fourteen feet. Wasn't just because of social distancing. It's because you needed to get him in the frame. <laughs> yeah, he kept on rocking back and forth, and he was so big that like I had to like step back like two feet. To, <laughs> like, yeah, like, tra- like Travis's phone was tilted so far back that like <laughs> it is seriously like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean you could tell. I, I think Sean, you brought up a great point when he dunked that ball. Everybody in the gym said, "See." Yes, there. I mean, everybody is rooting for this kid because he's a. I mean, he's a great kid. Yeah. You could tell everybody sees it with him. They're like, okay, man, if if we could just mold him and 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 he could just start, just do this differently. Oh, and like you said, with with his reverse layup that he airballed. Like, no, dude, just go up, go up and cram that thing. Just just use your size. You 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 are seven foot one. Use your size to your advantage. Go into the dudes. I mean, he's he's thin, but he's not rail thin. You know, he he could use his weight ten times better than he is. He gains no momentum, no no physical, you know, dominance momentum over other bigs smaller than him because he's afraid. You know, as of as of right now, he's afraid to do that. So, I mean, it, I personally want him to grow into a superstar talent Kentucky offers hands up Kentucky you know it's in an ideal world that's that it would work out but um I just don't see that right now yet but I see why a high major coach like a Bill Self or a you know fill in the blank on on who's who is continuing I think they said Auburn is going to offer him very fairly soon I understand why they would make that decision uh, I just personally wouldn't be the one to make that decision if I were on the Kentucky coaching staff so a lot of good a lot of good stuff uh, we we enjoyed our time up there uh, felt better about Kentucky's chances to land Sky Clark which again positive momentum we could all use it right now uh, we could in over the next couple weeks see like like you know like Sean said four ish really positive things for Kentucky basketball and, and the recruiting world in, in general. So um, as bad as the show was to start with, with, with the negative news with Paolo, we're going to end it there with four positive things that, that fans should hey, look, look into. We should, we should touch on a uh, Hunter Salas real quick. Go for it. Um, another camp. Uh, apparently he, his camp don't like to talk too much either. Um, I think David Sisk has been trying to get in touch with him. Uh, he don't, his, apparently his so that that might be another one that like just out of nowhere just like gets offered commits uh yeah but i mean we'll see because uk um 
just relatively just recently started like reaching out to them. He, he could very well have an offer and they have it hidden, but um, yeah, it's, he's a guy that would absolutely flourish in Kentucky system, in my opinion. Um, De'Aaron Fox athleticism. He's not as quick end to end as De'Aaron Fox, but springy type of athlete, uh, quick hands can shoot fairly well, shoots pretty well off a dribble pull up uh, something that in some of Cal's sets, that's a, that's a big plus, but athletic, fast, about 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, um, I think he would be an awesome addition, like I talked about earlier. That would allow Scott to, like, not be a necessity, like, not to be a have-to-have guy in 2022 or in uh, 2021. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, things are supposed to move quickly with that, and don't be surprised if there's already been an offer extended that's just quiet or an offer becomes public within the next week or two. Yeah, that'd be that'd be another step in the right direction. We could we could use definitely use that. I mean, Hunter Salas is a. a I'll t- I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this real quick. Um, I think both of the guys that we mentioned, everybody's kind of up in arms about Kennedy Chandler going to Tennessee. I like for what it's worth. I like as a player, Hunter Salas and Sky Clark better than Kennedy Chandler. Um, I think that I think that Salas is probably the top point guard in twenty twenty one. So yeah. And it, and it doesn't sting as, as badly with Kennedy Chandler because you could sort of see that that was trending that direction. But then, you know, Bancaro goes to Duke out of nowhere. So I think that's what is just like, whoa. Yeah. But yeah. good news on the way, hopefully. We could use it. We'd, we would love love to hear it. Um, all right, well, let's end it there. Um, we uh, appreciate you hopping on with us, Sean. Uh, where can fans find your work? Uh, you can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. And uh, Travis? You can find me on Twitter at TravGraph underscore Rivals, and you can find um, my work on Cats Illustrated on the Rivals Network. You can find me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR. Uh, reach out to me via email, uh, JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. Uh, with that, we'll be back next week for another jam-packed Sources Say podcast, hopefully with positive news. We could use it. We'd love to have a, a show entirely dedicated to how things are trending in the right direction. Momentum's back in Kentucky's favor. Uh, I can't promise it yet, but let's let's hope that's, that's where we are this time next week. Uh, we will see you then. Yeah.